This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. What a moment this is. The Houston Rockets have a 3-2 series lead over the Golden State Warriors, the juggernaut of the league, after a 98-94 win here at Toyota Center. Just a thrilling game, just like Game 4. And uh, I'm here with my good friend M.K. Bauer. You can follow him on Twitter, at Moisekapenda. M.K., this was a crazy game. My heart was in my throat almost the entire game. I think the one thing that I take from this game and Game 4 together is that the Rockets have proven how tough they are. And and there are a lot of minutiae we can get into in terms of their success tonight and why they won this game and why they're leading the series. But the one thing that stands out to me, something that resonates, is just how tough mentally and physically they've been the last couple games of the series, and it's a wonderful response to getting their butts handed to about 41 points in Game 3. I think we can kind of move beyond previous narratives about the, the, the mental configuration of the squad. I don't know if it's the addition of, of P.J. Tucker, if it's the development of, of Clint Capella, the addition of, of, of Chris Paul. Something's different about the mental makeup with this group. And you see it in terms of their performances. They haven't played particularly well in stretches in games four or five. Um, Their shooting tonight in the first half was abysmal, particularly from the perimeter. But there's something there within their construction, their their makeup, their constitution, that enables them to just hang tough and to fight through through the course of difficult stretches of games. And it's been impressive. Like, as talented as Golden State is, I don't think they've matched the Rockets' will their toughness in certain spots in this game. Surprising, isn't it? It's really surprising. They've kind of become the glamour team, speaking of the Warriors here, and they're not up for the fight. And that's really a a huge surprise for me. I have to uh, agree with you on that. I'm I'm amazed how the Rockets have been quite possibly the more physical team. They've almost been uh, pushing the Warriors around a little bit, which is, uh, I mean, these are super close games. I'm not making it sound like it's some sort of blowout here. But, you know, I, I... just marveled in game four how the Rockets shot just over 39% from the field, between 31 and 32% from three, and one. It was just mind-blowing to me. Tonight, 37.2% from the field, 30.2% from three. Maybe that should be a little bit concerning because now two straight games where they're shooting poorly, two straight games they've won. They've beaten, beaten the Golden State Warriors playing like that. I will offer a counter by saying this. They've gotten the Warriors to play at their pace. And, and the other night, it was the Warriors playing a ton of isolation ball. It was the Warriors having a series-low 14 assists, one in the fourth quarter with 10-plus minutes left in the game, and not another assist from that point moving forward. And tonight, 72 field goal attempts for the Warriors, by far the lowest in the series. They had gotten at least 80 field goal shots up um, in the previous four games. The Rockets have slowed the pace down. The Warriors are letting the Rockets dictate the terms of how the games are being played. Again, surprising. And, and that's that's stunning to me. So when you look at that, 72 shots up, 18 turnovers, a series high in turnovers for Golden State. 
that's a bad mix. mix. The, the fewest number of shots, the most number of turnovers. You're playing the game away in a way that's not how you're accustomed to playing it. And I think that's all credit due to the Rockets. It's not just about their defense. It's about them slowing things down in spurts offensively and kind of luring the, the, the Warriors into a style of play that doesn't really benefit them. So I think as poorly as the Rockets have shot, have shot the basketball in stretches, They've been able to overcome and they've mitigated that poor shooting by by dictating how the entire game is being played. That's two games in a row. And the Warriors spent a lot of time tonight talking about correcting their mistakes and looking at film and understanding where they are and what needs to be different. They better address those things first. They better address getting establishing a better pace. They better address getting more shots up than the Rockets. And they better address not turning the basketball over because those two things, those three things are killing them right now. James Harden had a horrible game, just flat out. Uh, well, you know, I should say he had moments uh, outside of the offensive side of the ball where he, you know he was solid. Uh, but five of twenty-one shooting, zero for eleven from three. Gordon c- came on uh, late, but he struggled mightily for the first two three quarters, uh, and he, of course hit the big shot with about a minute twenty left to put the Rockets up by four. Uh, but. You know, you look at that. Look at Harden, the way he shot. Look at Gordon. Even Chris Paul was just six of nineteen, and we've got to, we're going to be talking about Paul here for sure in just a minute. Compare that to how Clay Thompson, Steph Curry shot. Uh, Kev, even Kevin Durant. I mean, Durant was eight of twenty-two. He probably shot uh, the worst of any of these guys. Curry eight of seventeen. Uh, Thompson eight of fourteen. I mean, you consistently saw that people would say hey, the Rockets. If, if these guys, these three star players for the Warriors, are putting up big points. It is, you know, incumbent that the, the Rocket players have to put up big numbers, and they didn't tonight. But it's about when you make the shots, right? I mean, as well as Curry and Thompson shot tonight, as well as Curry shot in the third quarter of Game 4, who missed the shot late at the game in the final buzzer in Game 4? It was Curry. Who missed the shot in the previous possession for the Warriors? It was Thompson. And say what you want about Eric Gordon. He's 4 for 18 on threes in the last two games. He had a three-pointer with 2.27 left in game four that essentially won that game. They gave the Rockets a 94-89 lead. They won 95-92. He had a three-pointer tonight with 121 left. They gave the Rockets a 95-91 lead. They won 98-94. He's hitting the big shots late. And I don't want to get into clutch because a lot of that is narrative. But when they've needed him to absolutely positively bang down an open shot and they've gotten assists from Chris Paul in game four and James Harden tonight, Eric Gordon has delivered. He's four for 18, but he's hit the two biggest threes in the course of the series because he keeps shooting the ball. You and I have had a lot of conversations up in our section this season, and we talk a lot about guys passing up open shots. And there was a moment tonight where Gordon missed a shot, a wide open three, and you can see the frustration, but you know what he didn't do? He didn't stop shooting. And you need him to keep shooting the basketball, and he's delivered when you've needed him late, and that's huge. So give, and who missed a runner after the, the, the Rockets took, had, I guess, a two-point lead late in the game? It was Steph Curry who missed that shot. So the, the key shots at the end of close games, the Rockets are getting them from Eric Gordon or Chris Paul. The, the, the Warriors are not getting them from Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, and their great shooting through the course of the game is not delivering them anything when the games are close and late, and the Rockets are getting those sort of performances when they most need them. You know, I want to go from the Warriors to a Warrior, and, I, and I'm specifically talking about P.J. Tucker. Again, Capella, who, who came out uh, really strong in this game. Uh, Capella had, I think, eight points in the first quarter, finished for 12 points and 14 boards in just 26 minutes. Uh, played some great defense at times, especially that one time in the corner where he had to guard both yeah, Curry and Clay. Uh, just he, He's outstanding on uh, when he gets um, 
sort of caught on guards on switches, something that you couldn't say about him a couple of years ago. But P.J. Tucker, a plus 14 in a four-point game, playing over 42 minutes. I mean, less than six minutes of this game. I mean, he, you know, he, that's all he didn't, the only part of the game that he did not play, and he was a plus 14. Uh, to me, that uh, really speaks to how he has changed this team. He's really the, the anchor of the defense, and they're going small, running him out there cons- uh, consistently, and that's why you're seeing Capella uh, play fewer minutes. I know when you only play seven guys, it seems like guys are everywhere because they're all logging significant minutes, but Tuck seems like he's everywhere all at once. Like Every time you look on the court and there's some sort of scrum going on or some sort of critical defense to play, either he's there or he's providing support for the defense to play. He's just been so in the mix of so many good things for this team through the course of the series and it's a testament to his will. Again, we get back to the early point about them just fighting harder than the Warriors and, and the Warriors kind of recognizing now that you know what, we may need to fight a little bit harder to beat these guys. Like We can't just roll basketballs out and showcase our talent and make it happen. We need to fight a little bit harder and I think guys like Tucker and guys like Chris Paul even Eric Gordon, I thought this defense tonight was incredible. Like Him contesting shots all over the place was a sign to me of how locked in and committed he was. They're just committed. And so your point about Tucker, it spreads to a lot of guys. Even James Harden, as bad as he was offensively, he made the effort defensively at a lot of different spots tonight to show you how committed he was on the end of the court. And that's the one thing I take away, just how committed and how tough-minded they've been so far. You know, Draymond Green in post-game sort of made uh, reference to something that they found or discovered, I'm guessing, late in the game, uh, that uh, some way they're going to now be able to approach what the Rockets are doing defensively because, you know, as you pointed out, the last two games they've just been outstanding to, to guarding what's arguably the, the uh, number one offense in the league. If Houston's isn't, uh, that would be the Golden State Warriors, and the Rockets have by that uh, measurement, uh, pretty much shut them down in the last two games. The, the fourth quarter, I mean, I felt like I needed a defibrillator. You know, seriously, I, I, I mean, this the the environment was electric. The fans were outstanding for this game. Uh, it was incredibly loud in the fourth, and uh, it was awesome. But, you know, this it just became bittersweet with 22 seconds left yeah. in the game, and Chris Paul pulls up a lame hamstring. And you could kind of see in his face that this is not, uh, you know, a little tweak. I mean, he obviously didn't play that the final 22 seconds, and the game was very much in doubt. Uh, that alone tells you that it's, you know, it was significant. He needed to step away from from the game. Uh, I'm going to date myself with this reference, but it felt like I, I saw people on Twitter comparing it to uh, Deshaun Watson going down the day after the Astros won the World Series. For me, this honestly, it was the exact same feeling I had in the '98 playoffs. Again, we're talking 20 years ago. Uh, sort of an unknown story when the Rockets had the Utah Jazz up against the wall. This is the year after the Stockton shot. They had him up against the wall, up 2-1, playing game four in Houston, a five-game series. Rockets are up by eight points, and Charles Barkley tears his, his tricep. And he's done for the series. And as a matter of fact, that game, it was like the Utah Jazz completely took off. I think they outscored the Rockets by like 30 points from that, that point. Uh, injuries can, and, and a guy like Chris Paul, who was phenomenal in this game. I mean, the box score line doesn't necessarily show it. He was a minus 13 today, but he carried the Rockets in that third quarter. Uh, if they lose him, I mean, what does that say? Uh, where, where does that put the Rockets in a tough spot? You have to not approach it from a doom and gloom perspective, even though it is gloomy. Uh, to see him, literally, he laid on the court for a while, and then he kind of stood up as action was on the other end on, on the Warriors' offensive end, and just his body language was just so dejected. 
and like knowing something was wrong. And then that goes to his history of injuries at the worst possible time, particularly with the Clippers. And, and you feel for the guy, and you hope that they can do some sort of treatment between now and Saturday to get him close to ready. Or if he's not ready for Saturday, in the event there's a Game 7, have him prepare for that game here back at Toyota Center. You have to hope that's what they can they can rely on because at this stage he's critical to their, their, their success. His second half performance, after going over 7 in the first half and not making anything, and then going 6 or 12 in the second half, making a ton of shots at the end of the shot clock, difficult contested three-pointers, willing this team to, to, to lead into an advantage when James Harden gave you nothing offensively. It was it was. Chris Paul at his finest, and to, to lose him in that spot, 22 seconds left, um, a hamstring which can be very difficult to overcome. Very tricky. Yeah, it's 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 troubling, but the Rockets have fought long and hard to kind of get to this point, and they can't allow that to kind of get them down. Obviously, you hope for the best for Chris, and you hope for the best for the Rockets if you're a Rockets fan, but you kind of understand the difficulty in that moment for him personally, and you wonder where they go from this point moving forward. Yeah, you mentioned how tricky hamstrings are. I remember even a couple years ago, I'm comparing myself to any of these high-level athletes. You're a very prime athlete, Dave. (laughs) Not at all, but I remember I pulled a hamstring pretty good, and it's the kind of thing where you nurse it for a couple days and maybe you start to feel a little bit better. You get out there and start moving, and it yanks again very easily. I mean, that's why they say hamstrings are are very tricky. Uh, Again, he's going to have the best, um, you know, medical guys working on him, but at the same time, we're talking about an NBA player who counts on cuts and moves consistently. He's going to have to be uh, you know, in top condition, and I mean, I can't speculate, but I mean, I just, I'm just saying, what was in the back of my mind is he's done for the series. That's that's the sick feeling that I have. But we, we'll find out. We won't know that till tomorrow. He got treatment today. Uh, was getting treatment on the hamstring and was not available to speak to us at all uh, uh, to the media. So. We shall find out, but uh, to, to me, that's uh, that's sort of the concern. I, I, I would think that the Rockets probably are. I'm going to think. My guess is he wouldn't play Game Six, and the, you know would hope that maybe he could come back Game Seven. But that's uh, uh, you know right now it's just pure speculation. I think the path to success is clear for them, even without Chris Paul. Defend as hard as you possibly can. Limit the number of shots Golden State gets up. Force as many turnovers as possible and get them, lure them into playing isolation basketball. Before tonight, the Warriors were assisting on 48.2% of their their shots, well below their, their regular season average, which is up in the mid-60s. Tonight they got the 56.3, but again, a series low 18 assists. It's there. Like They understand what they have to do to win individual games in a series. Can they do that without Chris Paul, potentially? Can they find the will to kind of fight again defensively with all their might and hold off a very talented Gold State team in Oracle Arena? They'll need James Harden to be spectacular. Like, here's the thing. James Harden has missed 20 consecutive three-pointers, right? He's a 45-point game away in game six to erasing all that, particularly if Chris Paul doesn't play, particularly if Eric Gordon gives you a little bit of something like he gave you tonight, particularly if you get something else from Gerald Green to P.J. Tucker or Trevor Ariza. Look, these guys were 13 of 43 out of threes tonight, but they took 17 more threes in Golden State. It's about volume. They take that same volume on Saturday, and and MDA mentioned that. Can we get 45 to 50 threes up? They take the same volume. If they make them, even without Chris Paul, they'll be in good shape. Look, they need James Harden to have a signature MVP caliber game if Chris Paul's not going to be there. It's as simple as that. All your concerns and worries are valid without Chris Paul. But James Harden has the ability, and he has timed these performances before, to come out there and give you something spectacular, something special. They'll need that on Saturday. 
I'm expecting Luke Mbamute to come out of the locker room sort of pulling his shirt apart, revealing the <laughs> Superman logo, because that's the guy I'm thinking right yeah. now. I mean, I hate to, I mean, you, you can't replace Chris Paul necessarily on the offensive end, but I think you're going to do a better job of placing him on the offensive end than you are on the defensive end, because their, their defense has been so good. It's been sort of their trademark for winning these games, and you're going to miss a guy like Chris Paul is uh, going out there and guarding the the, uh, the guards. So you're going to see... Eric Gordon slide into the starting lineup, assuming, again, that, that he's out for at least game six. Uh, I think you'll see Eric Gordon slide in, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Luke's gonna, now going to be thrust into this because the, uh, into the rotation. They can't play six guys. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I, 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 we've been saying six and a half before when they because we weren't counting Gerald Green. He, he was, I, I think, pretty sharp tonight. I hadn't even looked at his box line. I think he's a plus five in 16 minutes, uh, scored nine points, hit three threes. Um, and I think every single one of them you sort of looked off in the distance <laughs> and, and blinked multiple times because uh, we know Gerald Green's shot selection, but he also uh, was knocking them down tonight. But, um, yeah, I mean, they can't roll with uh, that starting five plant 40-plus minutes and and uh, and just sprinkling in a little bit of Gerald Green. I think Luke's going to have to play. I, I don't know if they'll dive into the Ryan Anderson slash Joe Johnson pot, but I think Luke's going to now have to be a 15-minute uh, a night guy. I don't think that they the Rockets are fond of saying they face adversity this year because of the injuries they had. But look, they won 65 games. It's an extraordinarily talented team. Their adversity was a limited adversity. They missed Harden for what seven games at one stretch. They missed Paul early in the season when they were still finding their way. They really didn't encounter extraordinary adversity this season. They're a really good team. That's why they won 65 games despite the injury issues they had. This is adversity. We'll see how they handle it. Right? Like as much as they've been through as a, as a collective unit, all the success they've had. Now we'll see how they handle it because this is going to be a crisis moment for them. You don't want to rest on your morals of having a Game 7 back home despite the fact you've won two games in a row here against the Warriors. You want to end the series as soon as you can. So, again, it gets back to my point of how spectacular can James Harden be? Can Eric Gordon give you better than 4 for 18 and hitting threes at the end of the game? Can he hit some threes early in the game? I mean, that'd be kind of cool. Can, can Luke Babute come out of mothballs and give you something other than missed layups? Like, there are a lot of things that can happen that can keep them in the game, but the pattern is pretty clear what they need to do. Can they execute it without the, one of the best players on the court if he's not going to be there? Can they do that in a hostile environment? They have all the momentum. They've won two in a row, and they have a pattern for success. We'll see how they handle it. Well, there are only three options right now. That's Rockets and six, Rockets and seven, or Warriors and seven. And I think all three of those would be in the maybe 10 percentile of like picks that people made before the series. I think the Rockets have made a lot of people believers, a lot of uh, people uh, tweet deleters right now. Yeah. Certainly frantically removing Warriors a lot of Warriors in one and a half, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A- exactly. I mean, I think after that game one loss, everybody was tripping over themselves to be the first to, to say it was going to be a sweep. And uh, the Rockets have, have uh, certainly woken people up. It's 3-2. And, uh, well, let me ask you this. You're going to go see Solo this weekend? I will be seeing Solo at some point this weekend, probably after Game 6, because I want to be in a nice, comfortable mood getting ready for Game 7. If there is a Game 7. If there is a Game 7. Look, honestly, Dave, I would not be surprised if the Rockets won Game 6. I think for all the wow. bluster that the Warriors kind of showcase, they're a team that's been hitting the jaw. I'm not saying they're quite Mike Tyson looking for the, the, the mouthpiece on the ground against Buster <laughs> Douglas, but they've been hit a few times, and I think to an extent they're a little bit stunned. Like, And I tweeted this the other day. They're a team that, for all the success they've had, they're not the Bulls. They've won two championships, but they kind of carry themselves like the dynastic Celtics of the 60s. 
and they've won all these multiple championships in a row. And there's a haughtiness to them that's really kind of distasteful. Like, they're not the most lovable group of players. And I don't think that's just Draymond. I think Steph's shimmying and, and Clay's random, you know, denigration of better players and all these sort of things that have kind of happened over the course in the last couple of years. They're not a team that people can rally behind or like. So it's kind of interesting to see how they've handled these last couple games because they've talked so much trash and they've kind of presented themselves as they're better than everybody else by a wide margin. Well, now they're in a fight. And they're still talking big, but they've lost two games in a row. And it's not going the way they want it to go. They're not playing the style of basketball they want to play. We'll see how they handle it. They can talk a lot. We'll see if they play as well as they talk. But, you know, just before we close, you bring up an interesting point, because this has been a contrast in styles. I think people, a lot of people sort of view the, the Warriors as beautiful basketball and the Rockets as ugly ball. But, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm seeing a lot of people who are sort of classic Rocket haters sort of rallying behind the Rockets right now because they look at this as sort of striking back at the Empire. Like, this is, the, you know, can anyone actually prove that they can knock off the Warriors and make this league competitive again? I, I, I don't know. Are you seeing that sort of shift right now? I tweeted the other night the the, the, the gif of, of Xerxes from 300. You know, even a god king can bleed. Like that's kind of that's the feeling that, that you're getting here. Like to your point about everyone deifying the Warriors so much, and not, like now you're like, you know what? They can be beaten. Like they can be had. It takes a lot. It takes maximum effort. Like like Deadpool would say, you know, it, it can't happen. And I think the one thing that maybe people are kind of getting behind this Rockets team is that they're gooning it up a little bit. You know, it was supposed to be the Celtics doing that against the, the, the Cavaliers. The Rockets are kind of gooning it up a little bit with just enough talent sprinkle in to kind of showcase how good they are. That's the biggest surprise of the series. I think they've kind of won some fans over, maybe. I, I haven't really taken a pulse nationally, but I think people are impressed by how well they've played the series and how they've done what's necessary to win three games thus far. And we'll see if they can get, make it four. The Rockets have a 3-2 series lead in the West Finals. Uh, that is MK Bauer. Go follow him on Twitter at Moiskapenda. MK, let's get some food. Yeah, I'm starving.